Good morning and Merry Christmas. Good to see you all here. Gabe wanted me to get a show of hands. How many think you're going to be coming Wednesday? He needs to know how much menudo to make. Okay. Okay. A thousand gallons. It will not go to waste. I like when she says, so if you want to eat menudo and feel warm, I wondered what that meant. Is it going to be spicy or what was going on there? But it's usually a great time. Christmas Eve, I know it's busy, but we always have a good turnout. And it's kind of like uh, our family gets together. It'll be at the Genesis building. Uh, going to have a short talk, probably about 15, 20 minutes. We're going to have some music. And then we're going to eat menudo and drink eggnog and enjoy each other's company before we go to family and continue our celebration of Christmas. And so you guys are welcome to be there and a part of all of that. And I hope to see you there. So did you get an idea, Gabe, about how many? Okay, okay, good. It will not go to waste. Whatever you make, I'm sure it will be good. Let's take a moment. Let's pause. Let's pray. And let's continue our celebration of our Lord's birth. Father, we are grateful for a time where we can acknowledge, Lord, your coming for us, for all that that means to us and to be able to celebrate it in song and and season. And, And more than that, Lord, to be able to enter into this story that is continuing. Lord, you set in motion things that are continuing today. And so all that we have been doing at the skate park that we're doing in Mexico, that we've done with the kids at Healthy Start, that we're wanting to see take place in Haiti and throughout our community and the world, Lord, is only a continuation, a rippling of what you began all those years ago that we remember this morning. And so may our minds be attentive and may we lean into your speaking to us. May we hear your voice this morning and may we leave here changed because of it, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're continuing and this is concluding our Advent series. Uh, We began a few weeks ago when we started off talking about peace and how peace isn't something that you find, it's something that you actually have when you encounter the God who, who gives peace. And that peace is something that we're supposed to then give to others. We are to be peacemakers if we are to be known as the children of God. And so when it said peace on earth, It wasn't just, well, I hope it happens someday or maybe later on in the by and by when God comes back and restores all things, then there'll be peace on earth. But until then, sorry, that's not what it's about. It was a a commission for us to be peacemakers and to actually take the message that God has given to us and to spread it to others. And then we talked about joy, and we talked about joy not being a circumstance, but it actually being a source. The source of joy was that God was with us, and from there we are able to have that joy that isn't taken away. Last week, Michael masterfully talked about hope. 
and how we have a God of hope and we are to be people of hope and that this hope is to spill out on those around us. And I loved when he said, hope is not passive, but it's active. And so just like peace, hope is supposed to be something that we actually spread to those around us, those who we encounter on a regular basis, should see that we are a people of hope. So we've talked about peace, joy, and hope. What do you think we should be talking about? What's the word that comes to mind here? What? Love. Any others? Life. <laughs> Caroling? Is that what you're <laughs> Wow, okay. We'll, we'll go with love and life, okay? That's what we're going to talk about because, oh, it's right there. There you go. <laughs> now, I, I had to include life. I mean, I, I think normally I would think love, but... Life is kind of one of these byproducts of love. At least it's supposed to be. Life is something that happens in nature and the world around us, and love is kind of the beginning, and then life produces it. I mean, we're talking about procreation, the birds and the bees kind of a thing. Got to be truthful. I, I always understood the bees, you know, pollinating flowers, but I didn't know what the birds thing was and so I feel kind of like I don't know what I've missed out all my life I think maybe they lay eggs or something but I I just didn't put those dots together just a little confession there anyway you see there's supposed to be this development when love takes place what it does is it produces life at least it's supposed to and so love takes on a, a whole new meaning you see, it's one thing to, to think, well, it's not just about the procreation, it's about the intimacy that's involved. I love how in the scripture says, Adam knew his wife and then she gave birth to her son. There's this knowledge that's involved, there's this intimacy. And so we have to recognize that that's how things work together. And it's something that's important. It's something that is supposed to develop. And we recognize that sex doesn't always produce love, but love always does does produce life. And it's a byproduct of what love does in every area. When, When you have an overwhelming sense of love, you also have an overwhelming sense of life. I remember when my children were born, and I don't know why, but I loved them at the beginning, right? Why? I mean, they're doing nothing for me, but you are overwhelmed with love, and I can remember being overwhelmed with life. I can remember walking out to tell my family that Kareen just gave birth. And I can remember just beaming. I I remember just feeling so alive. She was feeling a little different. (laughs) But I was feeling quite alive. But she came alive afterwards. But that's the sense that happens when there's that extreme love. You feel alive. I, I remember when Corrine and I were first dating. 
And I remember, you know, that awkward pressing into this, you know, I like you, do you like me? You know, you don't say it like that, but it's kind of that feeling like, well, I'll tell you I like you. I like you too. I love you. And then you wait because nothing else works except I love you too, right? If you say, I love you, and they say, oh, that's nice. Okay. (laughs) You know, it's over. And so... But when it was, I love you too, I felt so alive. Because love and life, they go together. It's the byproduct of that. And it's something that I think the world even recognizes. Last Wednesday, after our conspiracy craft night, after being creative with all that caramel corn and those things, and that was so much fun. I don't know if you guys were there. It was a blast. It was fun seeing everyone be real creative, and it's like, man, take off, go for it, you guys. This is great. And then there were some of us. It's okay. We started the ball rolling, and you guys go from there. But afterwards, Wednesday night, I went to the movies. We went and saw Interstellar. I went with uh, Gabe and Alex, and Alex and I really enjoyed the movie, we were able to enjoy it even through Gabe's snoring. Um, <laughs> I think he enjoyed it, the parts that he was awake. But, but it was this movie, you know, I'm not going to give this story away in case you haven't seen it, but the whole idea is there's this plot to save humanity because the earth is dying and then they have to make this choice of what planet to go. And then Anne Hathaway's character says these things, and it was so intriguing to me, I was just thinking, oh man, this is so powerful what she's saying, that I actually looked it up, and there are thousands of people talking about what she said. So here's what she said in the movie. It said, love isn't something that we invented. It's observable, powerful. It has to mean something. Maybe it means something more. Something we can't yet understand. Maybe it's some evidence, some artifact of a higher dimension that we can't consciously perceive. Love is the one thing we're capable of perceiving that transcends dimensions of time and space. Maybe we should trust that even if we can't understand it. And that stuck with me. I just heard that. I go, I love that. Because I feel like that is something that is true. And in this movie here, they're trying to deal with these scientific things. And then they throw in this love. What about love? It's got to be a part of this process because it means something. And I think it's worth recognizing that. Even Neil deGrasse Tyson, the guy who does the cosmos thing, you know, he's kind of that scientist. He talked about that movie and gave it like a thumbs up. I really liked that movie and I thought a lot of great things about it. And yet here is this whole interjection of love being something that we have to recognize that it transcends dimensions, it transcends time. And what love does is it actually produces life. And we get some Ideas of that in scripture. Remember Jesus, when he was confronted with the lawyer in Luke chapter 10, it says on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. That's the key right there, to test Jesus. And he said, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And when he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's not asking about what happens to me after I die. How do I get life after I die? 
what happens to you when you die wasn't something that the people in Jesus' time spent a lot of time worrying about or thinking about. It wasn't their frame of thought. In fact, Jesus didn't even talk a lot about life after death, but what he did talk a lot about was life before death. And so in the first century, that's really what would be the focus. It was this life. It was this time. It was right now what was happening, not what was going to happen after, but what's happening now. And so when you had a chance to talk to a rabbi, to interact with them, what you wanted to know, the question you would ask them was, how do I have the most best fulfilling life right now? And so it's more of a quality of life than a duration of life. We seem to want to think about things afterwards, but really what he's asking, what do I have to do to inherit a life that is connected to God right here and right now? And remember Jesus' answer. He said, well, you know the scripture, you know the law. You're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you're to love your neighbor as yourself. And then the lawyer says to justify himself, he says, well, I've done all that. And Jesus had said, well, if you do this, then you will live. And again, he says, if you love God and love people, then you will have this fulfilling life. And he says, well, I've done that. And then Jesus pressed in and told him a story story of the Good Samaritan. And you guys are familiar with the story where this man is walking. He's taken ambushed by some robbers left on the side of the road dead. And then a Levite goes by, sees him, passes him. A priest goes by, sees him and passes him. And the idea and the concept there isn't that these people were bad people. It's that these people were staying ceremonial clean. Levite and the priest, they can't touch this person and be ceremonial clean. It'll defile them, so if they're touching this person who's got blood on them, then they no longer can worship or lead people in worship. So they're doing God's work, and so they leave him there. And then the next thought would be, well, then who comes by next? It would be, well, you'd think a lawyer, right? Because the lawyer's talking to him. The lawyer can help him. But he doesn't go to the lawyer. He says a Samaritan. And now he goes to the bottom of the barrel as far as this lawyer was concerned about who people are. Samaritans were despised. And he says, who loved this person? And the lawyer can't even say the name Samaritan. He says, the one who showed mercy. And so Jesus' story presses in and shows that if you want to have this life that God has, then you have to be a person who loves all. And that includes not just the robber or the man who was beaten by the robbers, but it includes the Samaritan who was despised in their eyes. And we see that this Samaritan caring for, loving his neighbor actually saved the life of this man. And that's what love does. And that puts us into this story that we're here today to talk about, that we want to recognize. And so if you can, turn with me to John chapter 1, verse 5. The other Gospels give historical accounts of Jesus' birth. They, They talk about the situations that took place 
when Christ was born. But, but John does something different. He doesn't talk about the events leading up to the birth of Christ. He talks about the essence of Christ. He doesn't go into detail about the times and all the people that were involved. He kind of bypasses that and goes right into who is this person. And so in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And and so he starts off with this declaration that in him was life. And this life is what illuminates all of mankind. And this is what Isaiah spoke about. In Isaiah chapter 9, he says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And so this is fulfillment of what God has promised when they were going to be the illumination for the world. Israel thought that's our job. And we're seeing that, well, it was Jesus's job, the faithful Israelite. And so Jesus comes in and this person John doesn't even give him a name at the beginning. He just says he is the life. And him is life. And the life is the light of all men. And John says this again in 1 John. He tells us, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life, the Life appeared. Again, it's like he's almost like I can't just give him a name because that's not going to be clear enough. I need to try and let you know who he is. How can I explain? I can call him Jesus. I can call him the Messiah, the Christ. But that's not enough. It's the life appeared. We have seen it, testified to it. We have proclaimed to you the eternal life. Again, this quality of life which was with the Father and has appeared to us, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. And so we see John just grabbing words to try and convey to us what has happened. And what happens is, is not just, well, there was the birth of this baby that was going to be, you know, fulfillment. No, this is, this is life appearing. And it's not just a life. This is the life. This is eternal life. This is where the source of life comes from. This life is the light of all mankind. And so we start to understand that this life is here, but why is it here? Well, we know it's here because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And so we see that this life was born out of God's love for the world. We we see that 
this Samaritan spared the life of this man who was beaten because he cared for him, he loved his neighbor. And we see that life is the product of this love that God gives. And Jesus himself enters in and wants us to be aware of this, that there is something that he offers that we need to accept. It's not just, well, you have to, you know, believe in me. It's this life that I have. Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Again, talking about eternal life that you might have a life that is full, that is complete, a life that doesn't end. And the idea of a thief coming in to steal, to kill and destroy, he's talking about those people who offered false hope, the Pharisees, the religious people who who were telling them, you need to do these rules, these regulations to to have the life that God wants. And he's saying, no, they're, they're giving you something other than, something that's false, something that is short of the life. I've come to give you the life and life to the full. And what's difficult is how do you tell someone that they need life when they think they're alive? How do you convey to someone, well, what you need is life? And they say, well, I'm alive, I'm breathing. No, that's that's not it. What you need is the eternal life. What you need is the life that God gives. You see, it's not so much, well, I need to wonder what's going to happen to me after I die. No, if you're alive before you die, then you don't worry about what will happen after you die because you're alive. But what happens to us so often and so many people is we live and we try to fill our lives with things that make us feel alive. And those things vary because we are wanting to find this life, this eternal life, this life that is connected to the eternal one. And when we fall short of that, we substitute the real life with artificial things. Addictions. Different behavioral impulses, things that we want to use to occupy our minds. I was reading this article on procrastination. The reason I was reading it because I was going to do something, but I wanted to read this instead. which is one of the things they say you do when you procrastinate. What you're doing is you're putting off something that is necessary. And so what you do is you find something to substitute what you know is necessary to do, and you make it important. Well, I know I need to take care of this paperwork and get this you know, report done, but I really need to find out what's happening on Facebook. Look it, I got a like. Better find out who that was. Oh, it was just a candy crush. You try to put off what's important and fill it with something else and make that something else important. And so that helps you alleviate the the pull, that nagging of what you know you need to do. And so you put it off and you detour and go to something else. And we do that in our lives. I spent some time with a friend of mine. He's in a drug rehab place right now. 
and he checked himself in. His friends and family had wanted him to go in and he just was resistant, resistant. And finally he hit bottom and he checked himself in. And as I was talking to him there, there was this amazing change in him. And he started telling me about just all that he had done before. He said his whole life was all about getting high. All I wanted to do was get high. I would hang out with people, my family, my friends, and I couldn't wait to get out of there just so I could go get high. I was cordial, I was polite, but I just wanted to get out and to go on. So I'm sitting there texting, you know, with my friends who have the stuff and I'm like, okay, I'll be there as soon as I can. And whole point of his is just to get over there. And so here are these relationships that he could have been having, but he was more concerned with something else to try and fill his life. And now he's recognized, he goes, man, I was putting off the people who loved me the most. I hurt the ones who, and I've got a lot of restitution to make. I'm making phone calls, telling them I'm so sorry. I was so selfish. I was thinking I was alive, but I was denying the love and I was killing myself. And what a tragic thing it is to to recognize that your pursuit to make yourself feel better, to to give yourself that whatever it is, to distract yourself from what you know is missing, ends up destroying you. And here you are trying to find what life is supposed to fill, and you end up destroying yourself. And he's like a different person. He's reading and he's praying, and he's thinking clearly. And I had a longer conversation with him than I've had in years because he wasn't in a hurry to go off and do something. See, he's connected to the source of life. And he's showing me his Bible and he's showing me all the highlighted things and he's showing, this is my chapter right here. And it's like got every verse in it highlighted and he's telling me, this means this to me, this means this to me, this means this to me. And all of a sudden, the God of life is speaking life into his own soul and is giving him hope and giving him peace and giving him purpose. See, The life has come, and this life is the light of all men. It shines in the darkness, and the darkness can't overcome it. In fact, the light overcomes this darkness. And so we see that this life that Christ brings, that was born from the love of God, is now the life that is offered to us. And he says, this is why I've come. That you might have life and have it to the full. And and when I hear Jesus' words saying that you might have life and have it to the full, I think he's talking about today. I think he's talking about now. I I don't think he's talking about when you die, I'll give you some life. 
And so I look and I think of all the circumstances like that of my friend and what he went through and where he was in his addiction and how low he sank just so he could get high. And Jesus is speaking to him and saying, I've come that you might have life and you might have it full. And so to my friends and to you who have lost family, loved ones, friends, to cancer, to sickness, to you who've lost parents and children and they've been torn out of your life by suicide, to those who've watched your brothers and your sisters deteriorate and waste away because of addictions, to those who've had their hearts broken because of unfaithfulness from a loved one. Jesus has come to give you life and give you it to the full. See, and here in this broken world and in these tragic situations, a light has appeared and the darkness cannot overcome it. And so many times we we think, oh, you, you don't know my situation. You don't know how difficult it is. You don't know the hurt I feel. You don't know what I've lost. You don't know what it's done to me. It's to you that the son has come. It's to you that this person, no, he's, he's not a person. It's not just, how do I explain it? It is life itself has come and it's made itself known to you. Life has appeared and it is the light of all mankind. The darkness will not, cannot overcome it. This life is here because God knows your brokenness. He knows your situation, your condition And he has come for you. And we feed ourselves this lie. And you tell yourself things often enough and you psych yourself out of it. Have you ever done that? It's like if you're, you know, playing sports or something. It's like, oh man, I hope he doesn't throw a curve because I'm terrible. I can't hit the curve. Well, you just, okay. You just psyched yourself into that. And now you're worrying about if he's going to throw a curve. Oh, I hate this. I always mess up on this part of the game. Guess what? You're going to mess up. Why? You're thinking about it. You're worrying about it. And your mind starts conditioning yourself. Oh, yeah, I can't get over this. Guess what? You're not going to get over it if you're not going to, if you think I can't. And so in our, our minds where we say, I can't get past this tragedy. I can't get through this. This hurt is too deep. The wound is too fresh. I can't get over this. There's another story. A story that was born in a manger and we know it as Christmas story, but it's more than just a Christmas story. You see, life has come and it's come for you in your brokenness and in your condition. A light has come that can illuminate your life. What must I do to have this life that God gives? Well, you're to love 
God. And you're to love everyone. And he has come that you might have this life and have it to the full. And the thief, those who say that you can't get over it, those who say, well, you have to do this and this and this and this before God will love you, those who try and take away this love that God has, they've come just to destroy, to steal, to kill this life. But he has come to restore it, to give it to you. Who are you going to believe? As you move forward in your life, who are you going to listen to? The voice that says you can't get over it. The voice that says it's too deep. The voice that says your marriage is over. There's no restoration. Or the God who gives life and says it's not too difficult for me. Darkness will not overcome this light. Darkness will not overcome this life. Because it's born in the very heart and love of God. And so to you who are broken, who have lost your children, who have lost your husbands, your wives, who have seen the people who are dearest to you destroyed by drugs and addictions, This morning we say Merry Christmas because life has come and it is the light of all mankind. And now we are not without hope. And now our joy is connected to the source, to the God who is with us. And now the peace of God is able to reign in our hearts through Christ Jesus, his Son. That's what Christmas is. That's what we celebrate. And so what we need to do, even as Jesus said, do this and you will live, we need to step into this loving God and loving others. And so I want to challenge us this morning. This morning, maybe you've been here and you have been a follower of Jesus. You, you know who he is. You've gone to church, but you haven't stepped into this life. You, you've kind of watched it from a distance and you really don't love God and it's not producing that life in you. You know about God, but you don't know him. And this isn't about what's going to happen to you after you die. This is about the life you're going to live now. And so maybe you're here this morning and you've known Jesus and maybe there's been times where you have been close but you know that right now you're procrastinating this life and you're, you're trying to put other things and do other things but this life keeps calling you to commit. And you just need to say, okay, you know, it's time that I, I refocus, time that I, I take that step and I want to make my priorities right. And I, God, I want you to be that priority. I want to love you. I, I want to love as you loved. And so if you're in that situation, would you stand with me and just say, I want to recommit this love to God. I want to recommit that life that he's here. Just as we're praying right now, and if you feel the pull in your heart to say, I, I do need a recommitment, I'm going to stand and say, Lord, I want this recommitment. 
It's no shame. No one's going to look at you and say, oh man, what's wrong with you? This is what God's challenging all of us to do. And maybe some of you are here and you know that I've been putting other things. Maybe it is addictions. Maybe it's people. Maybe it's unhealthy relationships. I've been putting these things in my life to try and fill the hole for the life that I want. But I don't want to fall into that anymore. I want to put away the imitation and I want what's genuine. And if that's you, would you stand also with us and just say, I'm done with this. No more. I want to refocus, even like my friend who just has come to a newness of life and says, man, I was living for what? Why do you spend your money for what isn't bread and what isn't drink? The Lord tells us to taste and see. So if that's you, stand with us. Maybe you're here this morning and you have never stepped into what we call a relationship with God. It's always been something that you knew about, maybe your friends, your family has told you about, but you've never actually wanted it for your life. And maybe now you're recognizing, you know, maybe love transcends my understanding. Maybe there is more to this life than just existing. And what I want is the author of life to give me that life, his life. And you want to take a step of faith and say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to take you at your word and I'm going to listen to your disciple who said that you are the light of this world, that you are the light that illuminates all of mankind. And I would like to make a choice and live for you. I don't even know fully what that means, but I believe that you're real. And you've been touched and something is gnawing at you and and you've heard a voice that isn't your own saying, this is true. You've heard a voice that's echoing in your soul and just won't go away that says, you need this. And if you would like to stand with us, please stand with us also. Say, I want to have this life. And Father, as we are standing here, we are each in a position where what we want is eternal life. We want life to the full. And Lord, what we are doing is recognizing that the reason you came was because you loved us. And that love is to produce life in us. It is to bring us into this dynamic, living relationship with you, the living God. And we are not going to listen to the voices that say, I'm broken and I cannot be repaired. We are not going to listen to the voices that say, there isn't hope for you or for this situation. We're going to hear your voice and we are going to believe in you that you are here to give us life and life to the full, everlasting life. You are here to make us new, to recreate us into your image. 
And so, Lord, we stand before you asking, give us your life. Make your home in us. We love you, Lord, with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, with our strength. And we love those who you love because we want the life that you give. And we do pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we move forward, you know, love is a demonstration. The Samaritan went and helped the man who was beaten on the side of the road. God loved us that he gave his son. Jesus went to a cross because love is not just a feeling, it's a demonstration. And so we have... In this season, what we've been doing with this whole Advent conspiracy is saying we are going to reclaim what Jesus means to the world. And it's not about getting gifts. It's not just about the lights. The the Christmas, I, I love Christmas. I love that it's stressful. I don't love the stress. I just love that it changes things. You know, I I hate putting the lights on the house. I love lights on the house. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I hate decorating the Christmas tree. That's why I didn't decorate it. But I love a decorated Christmas tree. I hate the busyness, but I sure do love the people. And sometimes it's good just to get shooken up so that we're not living the mundane. And it it kind of forces us out of our comfort zone and says, you know what? I'm not going to treat this time as if it doesn't have meaning. I'm going to put the effort into it. And we need to find a way to do that all the time. Maybe not with lights and trees, but with our lives. And so with the Advent season, what we've done is we've said, okay, we're going to spend less on gifts, but we're going to give more. We're going to give more relationally. That's why we made the caramel bags. That's why Gabe's making menudo. My wife is amazing. I get an idea, but she's the one who does it. You know, I'm saying, we should, you know, make things and give it to people. And she says, I got an idea. And then she actually does it. We want that to be what happens in this season. Where we don't just say Merry Christmas, but we live the story. And so we've been collecting the money that we do always for Genesis to keep the lights on, to keep the bills paid, to pay the insurance, the school, the rent, and all the things that we have to pay. But then we say, the money that you don't spend on those gift cards, give towards the Advent. And it's going to be towards the work in Mexico that's taking place next month. And so we're going to have the ushers come down and take the offering. I'm going to pray And we're going to use this as a time of worship to continue this story. It's not a pressure. If you are visiting us, don't feel pressured to give. This is our ability to enter the story and make a difference with what we have and to try and reshape how we celebrate the birth of Christ. But let's pray. Father, 
you have blessed us, and with that we want to bless others. And Lord, we want to be generous at Christmas, not just with money, but with ourselves, with our time, with our our love. And Lord, I just thank you for the example of those who are at the skate park, those who came and made the bags of the caramel corn for my wife and all that she has been doing for the friends and family that we have. Lord, what great examples this is for us. And may this be an opportunity where we can give of ourselves to you, of our resources to continue the work that you're doing, Lord. And we ask that you would bless the money for your purpose, that all the families that it supports in Mexico, for the pastors that it's going to be helping down in La Paz and in Vizcaino, Lord, may it be a rich blessing in their lives And Father, we thank you for allowing us to love and to continue spreading this life that you have given to us. We do so in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Stick around. Enjoy the cookies and things. Hope to see you at Christmas Eve.